0: Thank you. Please be seated. Uh, Hopefully you have your Bibles with you this morning. If you do, uh, open up to Exodus. uh, Exodus chapter uh, 33. And so Exodus is the second book of the Bible if you're looking for it. Uh, If you don't have your Bible, you could use the Pew Bible. Uh, But Exodus chapter 33, uh, verses 7 to 11. Uh, We're talking about prayer. I haven't prayed yet, but I'm going to read this through, and then uh, we're going to take a moment and uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, But Exodus chapter 33. uh, I'm going to be reading verses 7 through 11 to you this morning. And uh, don't worry, we're not pulling everything out of these verses that we can. Uh, But what we read there is this. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp, some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance, while the Lord spoke with Moses. Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to his tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Let's pray. Father God, it is good to be here today. It is always good to be in your house with your people to sing about You, to learn about You and study Your Word, to come before You in prayer. And Father, this day we begin to talk about prayer, and so I pray that You'd meet us in this time and in our prayers. Father, we come this morning with so much going on in our lives, and Father, it is so good to hear of the way that You have worked in people's lives through surgeries, through medical issues through uh, guidance and direction. Father, I thank You so much for that. It is overwhelming sometimes to hear how You are working in the lives of people. And so this morning, Lord, we come to say thank You and to praise You because of Your hand being at work in so many lives, the lives of so many people, Lord. Father, we come and we pray that You would strengthen us, that You would encourage us, and that You would build us up that You would teach us to pray. Father, I pray that You'd meet us where we are. Father, we all have the the temptations that we're struggling with, the sin that we're struggling with. Lord, we we have those worries and we have those burdens that are upon us. And I pray that that You'd meet us there and that You'd be at work in those situations in in our lives. The loved ones that we are worried about. The loved ones that are going through different things in their lives. Lord, we pray for them. We pray that You'd be with those that we pray for, that they would come to know You as Lord and Savior, Lord. We pray for their salvation. Pray that You'd give us wisdom and Your Word to give to them so that they would hear the Gospel, so that they would come to know You as Lord and Savior. And Lord, as we enter into this message, this series on prayer, I pray that You would shape us. I pray that You would mold us. I pray that You would give us a heart and a desire for prayer. Even if we think we pray enough, I pray that You would show us that it's not enough. And I pray that You would just use us to be Your people to be in prayer. Pray that Your hand would be upon this time and use it for Your glory, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Hey, that was pretty good. Actually, it's surprising. The good morning over here is louder than over here, and there's no more people over here. So I don't know what that's saying about you guys over here. Maybe you need more coffee this morning. I don't know how it is, but I pray that you're all doing well. Uh, this past week was a special one in our house. We got to breathe air from Canada, which doesn't always happen. Uh, I'm kidding on that. Um, but it was the last day of school for Wyoming Valley West, and so uh, my wife is really old now because she has a test Grader. Uh, she has a seventh grader, a fifth grader, and a third grader uh, now, so she's really old. And she's thinking in her head to see if I'm actually right on all of those things. But there was another reason why it was a special week in uh, our house. Amy and I had our 20th wedding anniversary this past week. Uh, this past Wednesday, Amy and I were married 20 years ago. Uh, we were married Saturday, June 7, 2003, right? Okay, good. I, I make sure I was right on that, right? Uh, I always struggle with the last part. I don't know if anybody else, even with the kids' birthdays, I know the day of uh, the month and the date. It's always the year that gets me. I don't know why it is, but many years ago, we were married. Now, over those years, like other couples, and well, pretty much anybody uh, married or single or anything along those lines, a lot happens in 20 years of life, correct? A lot happens, good, bad, ugly, in in between, right? So my grandmother passed away seven days before our wedding. Uh, We were getting married on Saturday, June 7th. My grandmother passed away the Saturday before our wedding. Uh, so the week of our wedding, we had her funeral services and it was either the day of her funeral services or the day after her funeral services uh, that Amy's grandparents were flying in from Iowa because her grandfather uh, was a pastor and uh, he, he has passed since then, uh, but he was a pastor and he was going to do part of our service uh, for our wedding. Uh, but as soon as he got off the airplane in Avoca, they took him to uh, the Scranton Hospital. And that is where he stayed until we were on our honeymoon. Uh, he was in there. I think his sugar was about 500, if I'm remembering, after 20 years. And so that kind of changed everything. And so that was the week before our wedding. And then we got married. So no stress on that day, right? Uh, we got married. And since then, uh, we've had a lot of different things. I've entered into the ministry, as you can tell. Uh, which was no small task, nothing easy. Uh, Her dad did three tours in Iraq uh, while we were married. Uh, We've had four kids, if you don't know, in uh, those couple years. Uh, I moved into our first house, and then about four and a half years, five years after that, we moved into this house, and then 10 years after that, we moved into that house, which... Uh, in three years, three and a half years, it's probably up time for us to move somewhere else to a different house. I don't know. That's the way life is going for us. Uh, We have purchased four cars. We've been to many, many, many doctor's appointments. Uh, A lot of doctor's appointments. Uh, And the list goes on and on and on. I'm not going to bore you with the list, but I just wanted to let you know that as in everybody else's life, over the course of 20 years, a lot transpires. Uh, But one of the keys of being married and going through things like that and just going through life is communication. You need communication. Like when we first got married, I was told not to touch the washing machine or the iron. And I said, okay, I can live with that. Communication, talking to each other and listening to each other is one of the ways that enables a couple or anybody in any type of relationship to move forward, to go through many years. Now, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of other things that go into that, but talking and communication is one of the main ones. To be able to talk, listen, communicate about this topic and that issue and get on the same page and move forward is one of the most important things in a relationship. It's actually a blessing. And this morning, we move into the second topic of our series that has become conversations with the pastor. Three topics. They've been part of my conversations with many of you over the last year. Money, prayer, and as I told you this morning, what happens next, the end times things. We spent two weeks about, uh, talking about money, and this morning we're going to take and start a total of three weeks and talk about prayer. Communication, if you will, and the importance of it. I've always told my kids, I said to them, I go, how would your relationship with me be if we never spoke? And they said, well, it would be bad. I said, how do you think the relationship between your mother and I would be if her and I never spoke? And they go, well, bad. The same can be said of a relationship with God that does not have prayer in it. If your walk with God does not have prayer in it, your relationship with God is bad. That's just how it is. You see, prayer is the disregarded necessity of our lives. Did you get that? Prayer is the disregarded necessity of our lives. And so we're going to start this morning with what is prayer and the significance of prayer. And so that's where we got to start this morning. What is prayer? Now this series is topical, and so we're going to be all over the place a little bit. But it has often been said when it comes to prayer that prayer is to our spiritual lives as air is to our physical lives. Right? You need air to be breathing to be living physically. Prayer is the same way when it comes to our spiritual lives, and I would argue for our whole life as well. And with that being the case with prayer, this is important. And I try to do it as much as I possibly can. I am not trying to guilt you this morning or the next two weeks on your prayer life and how much you pray. Because every time a pastor talks about prayer, he's like, ah, really? Like, Do you really have to make me feel horrible and guilty? My aim is not to make you feel guilty about your prayer life. That is a bad motivator. My aim is to get all of us to understand prayer more and to pray more. That is my aim. And so let's get this out in the open. Ready? How many of you are breathing? Okay, good, good. Some of you, some of you. Morgan, you're breathing. I know you are, ready. Right? If you're breathing, your prayer life is not where it should be. Am I breathing? Yes, right? What, what, so what does that mean? My prayer life is not where it should be. So that tells me all of us, were in the same boat. All of us are in the same boat where our prayer life is not where it should be, and we're not praying as much as we ought to be. And so now that it's out in the open and we could all go, ah, we're all in this together, we can move forward, all right? I came across a quote by name uh, by a man named Samuel Chadwick. Now, I don't know much about Samuel Chadwick. I think his name is pretty cool. Uh, But I'm going to read this quote to you. He He lived a long time ago, and he said this, "'Satan dreads nothing but prayer. His one concern is to keep the saints from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. Did you get what he said? He goes, Satan laughs at us and he doesn't fear our studies. He doesn't fear our meetings. He doesn't fear our work when prayer is not in those things. He goes, what Satan fears is the believer in Christ praying. You could say it this way. Satan will let you and I go about doing whatever we're doing, even meeting like this on a Sunday morning if there's no prayer in it. Satan goes, look at those believers in Christ. They're not praying. I don't even have to waste my time to interrupt their lives. Because I only fear when they're praying. I have a question for you just to get your juices and your mind going this morning. Did you pray for this morning's service? Did you pray for the church service this morning? That God would be glorified? That His Word would be clearly taught? That people who don't know Jesus would come and be saved? If not, then is Satan actually afraid of what we're doing right now? Because we need to be praying. Charles Spurgeon, who had a church of 5,000 people before there was a microphone, so get that. to be in church with 5,000 people and there's no microphone. Somebody asked him one time, how is it that you're so successful? And his simple answer was this. He goes, my people pray for me. That's it. He goes, people pray for me. And then another time, somebody came to, the, to Mr. Spurgeon and asked about the struggles his church was having in a couple areas. And they go, what do we do about the, these struggles? And this is how Charles Spurgeon answered. He said, brethren... He says, we shall never see much change for the better in our churches in general till the prayer meeting occupies a high place in the esteem of Christians. Did you get that? He goes, we will never see change for the better in our churches until the prayer meeting occupies a high place in the esteem of Christians. You know that getting people to meet for prayer is the hardest thing to do in a church? Do you know if you want to see a church get healthy and to do a work of God and for God and to see lives changed, it's not about the music? Can I tell you the number of people I've spoken into my life from conferences and books and seminars and all of these of how to grow a church? It's actually mind-boggling. A healthy church, a faithful church that sees lives changed because of God, it's not because of the music. It's not because of who is singing or who isn't singing. It's not because of the sermons are 10 minutes or because they're 100 and, you know, or we'll just say 70 minutes. It doesn't, it's not because of what time the service is or what the mission or the vision is of the church. A church will rise or fall on the amount of that church praying as individuals and together as a church. The health and the well being, the faithfulness of a church. Depends upon the prayers of that church. So the question then is why? Why don't you and I pray as we ought? Well, I had two things that came to my mind. Three, but I kind of poked you in the forehead a little hard last week, didn't I, right? Some of you told me that. And so I wasn't going to bring up the third one that we would rather do other things than pray. I wasn't going to bring up that third option that the reason we don't pray is we would rather do other things than pray. So I'm not going to bring up that third one. But there's two other things that came to my mind. And one is, I don't think you and I pray as we ought because we don't really know what prayer is. And two... We don't know the importance of prayer. We don't understand the weight that prayer carries. So what is prayer? Well, I think that's an easy answer, but also a hard answer. You see, we could say that prayer, all prayer is, is talking to God. And that is true to a point, but I think it falls short. And so I want to use this phrase. Prayer is conversing with God. How do people communicate with each other? A lot of different ways, right? I'll give you a couple examples. When Noah was little, we had to teach him sign language, okay? Because he wasn't saying words, and so we had to teach him sign language for more food or I'm done. I'm not going to try doing it because it's been like 15 years and I'm going to do something I probably shouldn't do, right? And so, you know, there's sign language, not words, but sign language. Well, how about this one? My kids are now older. Okay, and I've had to learn a new way of communication, right? Grunting, <laughs> okay? Right? Uh, my kids communicate with me by grunting, right? So, mm. so I have to know what that means. Mm-hmm. Right? I have to know what these are, right? And so they converse with me via grunting, not words, but grunting. And here's another one. I just told you I've been married for 20 years and I have four kids. So I've also had to learn how to communicate via facial expressions, right? You have to know what the facial expressions mean, right? So I need to know when my wife looks at me that that looks means, you know, the fifth kid in the house needs to stop being the fifth kid and he needs to be the father, right? I've had to learn what that look means, right? I've also had to learn the look of, you know, it's time you took the four kids out of the room that I'm in, right? And so you have to learn these facial expressions. We've all been there. You're laughing because you know we communicate In other words, other than just using words. Sign language, grunting, silence, looks, all sorts of different things. And so that's why I didn't want to use just the word talk. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Paul says this, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Well, what's our weaknesses? This is what Paul says. He goes, we do not know what we ought to pray for. We don't know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Paul goes, there's times where you don't even know how to pray. You don't even know what to be praying for. And the Holy Spirit who dwells within the Christian comes and and just communicates to God on your behalf. That's what the Word intercedes for you. He's doing something for you on your behalf. He goes, and it's through groans the Holy Spirit just groans with the Father. And, and What does that mean? It means those times where you don't know what to say, or you're so overwhelmed by life, and you come to God in prayer, and you're just silent. You know what the Holy Spirit's doing? The Holy Spirit's interceding on your behalf. Talking to the Father for you. It's when you come to God in prayer and you're like, "Uh, have you ever done this? Uh, Or, you can't get the words out. Guess what? That's prayer. Well, that's not prayer. It's just making it, you're just grunting. Yeah. The Holy Spirit groaned because you don't know what those <clears throat> are, but God knows your heart so well, He knows what you're trying to get across to Him, because it's the Holy Spirit doing a work in you, and the, what the Holy Spirit doing for you. That's prayer. And we don't look at prayer like that, where we just come and go, God, I don't know what to say. It's prayer. And maybe you're Italian, or maybe you just talk with your hand and you're just... and you. That's prayer. You're conversing with God, and it doesn't have to be with just words. I love the picture of prayer that the Lord laid on my heart this week. I mentioned it's a topical message, that, so we're going to be all over the place. But I had you open to Exodus chapter 33, and I read to you verses 7-11. through 11. And Moses had a tent outside the camp. The nation of Israel is not settled. They're still wandering through the wilderness. And so they're camping. Not glamping. Glamping is false. It's not real, right? Camping is real camping. You sleep in a tent, all right? Like the people in the Bible did. No RVs in the Bible, right? They, they were godly people who slept in tents, okay? So they didn't have the temple or anything along those lines, and so what did they do? They had a tent of meaning that Moses has sent up a tent. And Scripture tells anybody who wanted to inquire of God could go to that tent. I don't know what that looked like. I'm not going to unpack that this morning. For Moses would go out to this tent and meet with God. We read there, and we did read, that as Moses would leave the, the, the camp, he would go outside of this tent. And when Moses went there, the pillar of cloud, which was God's presence, came down and rested at that tent. Why? Because God met with Moses there. And Moses entered into a relationship. He entered into a a prayer life with God. And he would meet God there. And we read that God would speak to Moses, depending on your translation of your Bible, as a man speaks with his friend or face to face. What does it mean that God spoke to Moses face to face? Literally, it means mouth to mouth. Well, that doesn't help, Pastor. What does that mean? It means this, that God spoke plainly with Moses. God would say, hey Moses, what's going on? You don't picture having a conversation with God like that, do you? Hey, what's going on? How are things going today? You want to talk about that? But that's what it means, that God spoke to Moses plainly. This is prayer. coming and meeting with the Lord to speak, to converse with Him about anything and everything. And since God spoke with Moses plainly, it means that you and I don't need special words. Some of you think you need to have special words and a special formula to come to God in prayer. Ready? You don't. You don't need to know Greek and Hebrew and deep, big theological words that have 17 letters in them for you to come and pray to God. You come and you talk plainly to God. Just like God did with Moses. A lot of people think that prayer is beyond them and because of that, they don't do it. They don't know the way and the words and it scares them. And I have people go to me all the time, I don't want to pray wrong. I got that and I appreciate the heart. And God appreciates that heart. Ready? I'll tell you how you know if you're praying wrong. If you pray to anybody other than the God of the Bible, your prayers are wrong. It means you don't pray to saints. Don't pray to Mary. You don't pray to anybody else. If you're praying to the God of the Bible, the one true God of the Bible, and your heart is reverent in your prayers, that you're acknowledging God with a with an awe and respect and a humility in your heart and in your innermost being, that you're coming before the Lord, and you're praying to the God of the Bible and in a reverence and an awe going, you're God and I am not, guess what? Your prayers are good. Now if you do one of those two things wrong and you have God and you come to Him like you're in charge, guess what? Your prayers are wrong because your heart is off a little bit. Prayer is conversing with God. Using your hand, it's sitting in silence. It's groaning. If you, <clears throat> I, we've all been there. It, it It's prayer. We try to get prayer to be too much of what it actually is. It's you having a conversation with God. Letting it all out. That's what it is. That's all prayer is. And it's very important. It's very deep. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to say that it's very, very simple. It's not. But it is simple to have a conversation with God. But that's what prayer is. And so the question is then, why should we pray? Because oftentimes we don't do something until we know the why behind it. You know it. I'm all about the why. I I can drive my family crazy. And I do sometimes. They ask me a question. Why? 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 Right? All about why should I pray? Why should you pray? Well, I'm glad you asked because I have seven things to give to you. I'm serious. Seven. Okay? Seven. And it's the significance of prayer. How many of you have ever said this? Well, I can pray for you. How many of you have ever said that? Okay, good. So this is the godly side because you're all raising your hands more. All right. right? Most of us, hopefully, if you believe in Jesus and you're following Jesus, you have uttered those words to somebody. I can pray for you. But what happens? There has been times in your life where you've uttered those words and when somebody has said those words to you, you go, all I can do is pray for you. Like, prayer doesn't really matter. It's like, well, the least I can do for you is pray. If I had money, I'd give you money. If I had like a lasagna sitting in the freezer, I'd give you the lasagna. But I don't have any of that, so I'll pray for you. And we talk about prayer like it's on the bottom rung of a ladder and it's not important and it doesn't carry any weight and it's not important at all. That's the wrong mindset when it comes to prayer. Prayer is the greatest and strongest and best thing that you can do for somebody. You may think that it's giving them $1,000. It's not. It's praying for them. Prayer is the best thing that you can do for somebody. It's the first thing you ought to be doing for somebody. Prayer is vital. Prayer keeps us tied to the Lord in so many ways. You can say in a way of analogy that prayer is our lifeline. As I said, I have seven reasons why prayer is important, some longer than others. And I know this is a lot, but I want you to see this. I so want you to see this. Prayer is one of those things that I've been that God laid upon my heart entering into this year. Have I already done a pr- we did one prayer challenge for 4 weeks. Guess what? You might be getting another one in 2 weeks. All right? Might be a surprise, might not be. So what are these seven things? Why should I pray? Prayer produces fellowship with God. You go back to our text here in Exodus 33, what do we see? We saw Moses with the Lord, that God stayed there with Moses, and Moses stayed there with God. It's a fellowship. Prayer is important because it produces a fellowship with God. You go back to how I started this message off, telling you about Amy and I being married for 20 years. We wouldn't have a close fellowship with each other if we never communicated Prayer produces this relationship, this closeness, this fellowship with God that nothing else can do. You're not going to get this fellowship with God outside of prayer. You see, if you want more of God in your life, you have to pray. You have to enter into that place with Him and stay with Him in prayer. And here's the great thing, God wants you to do this you get that? God wants you to do this. One of the things that stood out to me in my study this week is this. When you look at the, old, the, the, the Jewish people in the Old Testament, they desired to come to God in prayer because they knew that God wanted them there in prayer with them. They go, I want to go spend time with God because He wants me with them. I'll give you a, more, a better example. If I walk into my house and I want to spend time with my kids or Amy, and, and one of them goes, Hey, Dad, you want to go play this game with me? Well, guess what? Now I know you want to spend time with me, so guess what? Now I'm like, Yeah, let's do this. I'm more energized. I have more of a desire to go do something with you because I know you want to do it with me. But what if I walk in the house and I go, You want to go do this? Nah, I get those grunts, <clears throat> right? And you, you could tell when somebody doesn't want to do anything with you, right? You've all been there, right? Well, what happens when somebody gives you the impression that they don't want to spend time with you? What do you do? Uh, okay. And you walk away and do something else. Some of you think it's like that with God. That God doesn't desire to spend time with you in prayer. And because you don't think God wants to spend time with you in that one-on-one relationship, in that, in that closeness, you go, God doesn't want to spend time with me. And so what do you do? Eh, I'll just walk away. That's not the case. God desires to have that time with you and spend that time with you. And so that should cause you to desire to be, want to be with Him. Prayer is important because it fosters a fellowship, a relationship between you and God. And you know what that time does? It changes you. Can you finish this line? You become who you hang out with. Ever had somebody say something? Whoever you hang out with is who you're going to become like. We all know that. So if you're hanging out with God in prayer, who are you going to become like? God. Prayer enables this fellowship with God, and in that fellowship, because you're hanging out with God so much, God changes you. You become more like God. Prayer is vital in your life because it produces a fellowship with the Lord that changes you to become more like God that you're not going to get anywhere else. And so you need to be in prayer. So The first reason you and I need to pray is because it allows us to build a relationship. It produces a fellowship with God. And so if you're lacking in a fellowship with God, start praying more. What's number two? Prayer allows us to know and equips us for the will of God. The heart of true prayer is is to bring you into conformity to the will of God. Did you know that? If you are not in prayer to learn the will of God, and if you're not in prayer seeking God to help you do His will, I can argue and make the case that you're walking in your own will. Did you get that? If you're not praying for God's will, and you're not asking God to help you do His will, I can argue that you're walking in your own will. Because prayer is what enables us to know God's will. It strengthens us to do God's will. This may surprise you, but prayer is not about trying to get God to do what you want Him to do. Did you know that? If you use prayer as a tool to try to get God to do what you want Him to do, your prayer life is wrong. Your prayers are wrong. You need to repent of that. Prayer is about God shaping you in the midst of prayer to do His will. Prayer is all about you coming to God and wrestling with His will and your will. You want to know when you're in real, true prayer? God, I want to do this, but I think you want me to do this, and I don't know what to do. Help me to That's prayer, because you're wrestling over whose will you're going to do. Prayer is where we fight with God's will to see if we will actually submit to the will of the Father. Kind of like what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, is there another way? Is there another way to do this? But yet not my will, but Your will. Prayer is a place for us to know God's will. And it equips us for God's will. It is prayer that You come to the Lord and go, Lord, I have no clue. What do You want me to do? Lord, what am I to do about this? And maybe it's that we don't pray as we ought because we don't actually want God to conform us to His will because we kind of like our own. But prayer is vital so that we can know and be in the will of God. So that's two. Five more. Number three, prayer shows your faith. Okay? This is one of the questions that I get. Why pray... If God already knows what he's going to do. Or you could ask it this way. Why pray if God already knows what's on my heart? Why pray? It kind of seems redundant, right? Like, why pray if God already knows what he's going to do? Why pray if God already knows the situation? Why pray if God already knows what I'm going to bring to him? Why do it? Well, I get this question. I understand the question and I get it a lot. And I'm going to try to go practical. As a parent, there are many times I know what my child needs or wants without asking them. And a lot of you can relate to that. That when you had kids, or maybe this was your spouse, or the grandchild, or a niece, or nephew, or the loud neighbor kid who aggravates you and annoys you all the time, right? You know what they need or what they want before they ask you. And so when, my, when I, I could tell that my kids are hungry... Right? Like, I allow them to ask me for food. Like, drop of a hat every single night at 7 p.m. Drop of a hat. Snack. All it is, one word. Snack. Right? All it is. Right? I know they want snack, but I let them ask me. Why? Because it's in the asking that builds a relationship. It's in the asking that there's a building of life, of trust, of love, of dependence. The same can be said with you and God. Yes, God already knows what you're going to talk to Him about. God knows what's on your heart better than you know what's on your heart. God knows your requests before you bring them to Him. But in that, He wants you to talk to Him about all of it because it builds your relationship with Him. It doesn't just build your your relationship with Him, but prayer is an expression of your faith. When Moses was walking through the camp, And he is walking to the tent to meet with God. What did that show to everybody else in the nation of Israel? Oh, Moses is depending upon God. Moses is trusting God. Moses is going to the Lord looking for his guidance and his direction and his leading because his faith is in God. Your prayer is an expression of your faith. As you pray privately, as you pray publicly, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm supposed to pray publicly. Yes, yes, you are. Before I was a pastor, when I was in college, right, I was a psychology major, as many of you know, I one day, and I was reminded of it this week, I, I was in the cafeteria, which was the size of like three closets, if I remember correctly, right? And I was getting ready to eat my lunch, and I just bowed my head silent prayer for a couple seconds, nothing big, right? And then there's this lady who had to be at least 20, 25 years older than me who was going to college, right? And she, she just came over to me and all she said, she goes, it's so nice to see somebody do that these days. As you pray privately, as you pray publicly, you know what you're doing? You're expressing your faith. You're showing your faith to everybody, including God. If you're going to the Lord in prayer about everything, that's showing everybody around you, I can't do this myself. I trust Jesus. I need Jesus to guide me. I need Jesus to direct me. I need Jesus to encourage me and to strengthen me to give me wisdom because I'm completely lost. My faith is in Him. And so it expresses your faith in God. That you depend upon Him. That you believe that He can work in whatever it is. But get this, if going to God, if prayer is an expression of your faith, then a lack of prayer is an expression of your lack of faith. Because if you're not praying, do you actually think God can do what He can do? If you're not praying, do you actually trust God with the situations that you're in? If you're not praying about that person, do you actually think God can save them or would save them? When we don't pray, it kind of shows that we're depending upon ourselves. We're depending on somebody else. We're trusting somebody else. Prayer is vital because it's an expression of your faith. It shows your faith. Number four, you're doing good. You're doing good, right? 45 more minutes will be good. Prayer is your weapon. Did you know that? James chapter 5, verse 16. James says the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. You want a weapon to be powerful and effective, right? No matter what it is. Prayer is your weapon. Some of you are losing a lot of battles in your life because you're not praying. You see, life is a battle. Like, if you don't know that, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but life is a battle. There's a spiritual battle that you're in every single day. There's sicknesses, there's relationship issues, there's work issues, there's car issues. Like, like do we need to continue to list? No, we all know that life is a battle. What do you fight with? Coffee, Facebook, and Twitter. What do people fight with. Pastor, I I don't enter into those fights. Well, then you've already lost. Prayer is your greatest weapon, apart from the Word of God, to fight against the things that take place in this broken world in which you live. When you don't pray, you go into a battle every single day unarmed and with no protection. Prayer is your weapon because you are bringing it all to God and giving it to Him to fight and take care of it all. I think of David before he went out to fight Goliath. My mind always goes to this. David goes before Saul and he goes, King Saul, I'll go out and fight Goliath. And Saul goes, okay. And now Saul is a very tall man, and David is a teenager. And so Saul gives his armor to David, and David puts the armor of the king on but it doesn't fit. Picture a five-year-old boy in the suit of his father. Everything's too big, flapping around. That's what the armor was like on David. And David goes, this isn't going to work. And so David takes the armor off and what does David go get? You can answer. Stones. Five stones. To go fight a guy that is a giant. The world goes, David, you need this armor and you need all of this. And David goes, no, actually I need one stone. No, 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 no. the stone's not going to do anything. Your one stone is prayer. And the world in which you and I live in tells us that prayer is not a weapon, that prayer isn't good enough, that prayer isn't strong enough, and that you need something else to fight your battles with. And God goes, no, all you need is prayer. Prayer is the weapon that I've given you. Prayer is the weapon that I've given you to use to fight the battles that you are in. That's what God has given you. So, whatever battle that, is, that you face on a given day, temptation, sin, you want to slap the coworker in the back of the head, you know, sicknesses, relationship issues, kids are struggling, loved ones are struggling, the neighbor won't stop playing the music, whatever it is, pray. How long do I pray? Until God answers. You mean I have to sit there that long? No. Just keep praying. Throughout the day. Every day. Until God answers. Prayer is vital because it is your weapon. And unfortunately, for many Christians and churches as a whole, we lose out because we're not using the weapon that God has given us. So there's three more, right? And some of you are like, Oh, this is gonna take forever. Right? It's not, we're almost done. The last three were actually our sermon. If you were to ask me on Tuesday what the sermon was going to be, it was going to be these last three points, but God took me in a different direction. Number five, prayer enables you to confess sin. Ezra chapter nine. If you don't mind, read Ezra chapter nine today, right? But today's Sunday, Pastor. I know. Read the Bible. Ezra chapter nine, verse six. Ezra goes, Oh my God, I am too ashamed and disgraced to lift up my face to you, my God because our sins are higher than our heads and our guilt has reached to the heavens." Wow! What a confession of sin. You know that relationship and fellowship I talked about earlier that comes through prayer? If you're not confessing your sin, you're not going to have that fellowship. Because unconfessed sin separates you from God. You don't lose salvation if you have it in Christ but the closeness and the fellowship and the the close relationship with God is severed because of your unconfessed sin. You need to be confessing sin in your life every day. And I'll go out on a limb and say some of you don't even remember the last time you came before God in prayer and said, God, I am doing this. It is sinful. It is wrong. And I confess it before You you need to repent of your lack of repentance. Prayer is a way for you to come before an all-gracious, all-loving, all-forgiving, all-just God that wants to forgive you of your sin. And He goes, I will, but you need to come and confess it to Him. Confession is good for the soul. You've heard it many ways. But it's true. Prayer gives you that ability to come to God, confess your sin... So that you can have that relationship with him. Prayer enables you to do that. Number six, prayer enables you to make requests. Nehemiah chapter one. In Nehemiah chapter one, Nehemiah is crushed because he knows the state of the city of Jerusalem. It's all a wreck. And he goes, I need to build, I just want to build the walls of the city and start rebuilding the city. The only problem is he's in another land and he is serving the king of that land. And so in Nehemiah chapter 1, he, he, his heart is broken. He goes, God, will you give me favor today? Because I'm going to ask the king if I can go back and rebuild the city. God, I want your favor. Will you give me your favor and your blessings today? Prayer is a place. Get this. Prayer is a place that you can come before God and lay out your requests. For yourself and for your loved ones, for our church as a whole, for somebody to come to know Jesus. And the God that holds the Son in place is hearing you, and you have that opportunity to lay your request out before Him. It's it's so important. So important. Lastly, number seven prayer enables you to praise God. Nehemiah chapter nine. I encourage you to read Nehemiah chapter nine today. It is a prayer from Nehemiah. And you know what it is? God, I praise You. I bless You. You did this and You did that and You're doing this and I'm so happy and God, You're so wonderful. You're so amazing. Blessed are You, God. It is a prayer of praise. I've told you so many times that worship is not a song you sing. It's the life you live. Worship of God is absolutely every single thing that you do. There is no secular and sacred in the life of a Christ follower. Worship is everything. And prayer is a time that we get to praise God, that we can praise Him for all the things that He is doing, the things that He has done, the things that He is going to do. When was the last time you sat in prayer and all you did was praise God for what He's done? Prayer enables you to praise God endlessly, countlessly, all the time. And so that was a seven-point sermon in the second part of a two point sermon. It could have gone a lot longer. As you can see, prayer is vital for many reasons. This is why we ought to pray and pray all the time. As we look at the life of Jesus, which you may or may not do next Sunday if you join us, you see that Jesus prayed all the time. Jesus prayed all the time like it was a necessity. Humanly speaking, it was. So if prayer was a necessity in the life of Jesus, why is prayer an option in your life? Friends, I would encourage you not to let prayer to be the disregarded necessity in your life, but that you would value it and see the value of prayer and enter into that place and stay with the Lord and pray. And pray some more. And then pray some more. Because it's vital. So, let's pray. Father, forgive us for not praying the way we ought to be. Father, we thank You for Your grace and Your forgiveness in that. Father, my prayer is that You would help us to be individuals separately, but Your body, Your church together that we would be a people of prayer. That we are praying mightily for Your will and for Your glory and how that is worked out in every aspect of our lives and the life of our church. Father, I pray that You would give us a desire to be with You in prayer because You desire to be with us in that place. And so, Father, I pray that You would work within us that we would be a people of prayer, a church of prayer,